It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And you are listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Pacifica Radio. Mr. Pallast, welcome back. You've been spending some interesting time in Georgia, which is the front line for the next election. What's new? Ah, well, uh, I hope that uh, the Donald uh, has a better legal representation than he's had so far, because his problem, (laughs) his problem is in two words, Fannie Willis. Fannie Willis is the district attorney for uh, Fulton County, which is uh, most of Atlanta, Georgia and suburbs. And Fannie Willis, while um, um, has is now impaneled a grand jury which is looking into whether Donald Trump and cronies interfered with the and, and tried to overturn the legal vote count in Georgia. Now, we all know about the infamous call that uh, Trump made to, um, to the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Um, uh, he's no big friend of mine, but, to, to, but he didn't exactly want to go to prison, and he knew that the, that the district attorney would be sniffing around. This is a felony crime, and the specific crime that they're going after is RICO, which is the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. It was actually named after uh, Little Rico, the, char- the James Cagney character, a gangster. So it's the RICO Act, and originally it was meant uh, for uh, um, organized crime to go after the mafia, that you'd create an, an enterprise called the mafia, and you'd have commit several acts. This has been used against the Mongols gang here in California and other organized crime. But uh, then uh, uh, about uh, a few decades ago, a, uh, a guy named Greg Pallast had this idea like, well, isn't, um, uh, there's all kinds of organized crime, including corporate organized crime. And I convinced the just, U.S. Justice Department and attorneys general and states to open up what was the biggest racketeering investigation at that time, the first against the corp, uh, corporate powers the uh, uh, nuclear racketeering case against uh, Long Island Lighting in New York and, its, um, and the, the builders of nuclear plants. We got a $4 billion, billion dollar verdict. So I know a lot about RICO because then I went down to Georgia to open up a new racketeering case against uh, Georgia Power, which still controls Georgia and Southern Company for um, everything from um, overcharging their customers to murder. And... So I know the RICO laws, including in Georgia. Now, here's the interesting thing, and this is why Donald Trump better get a good lawyer um, or, or a file in a, in a cake. And this is no joke. He's really facing a uh, potential uh, serious felony charges. Georgia created its own RICO statute, its own racketeering statute, which is a lot easier to prosecute people under than the federal statute for a couple reasons. One is political and one is technical. Now, the technical, the legal part, the legal technical part, you should know about. It, the reason it's easier to convict someone of a racketeering crime in Georgia than federally is that, they, is that Brian Kemp, the governor, and his cronies and, and the characters before him have wanted to go after Democratic voter registration organizations as organized crime. So they created the statutes to go after Democrats, and now it's going after Donald Trump. In specific, for example, just a few weeks ago, 
Um, the uh, uh, the Kemp administration and Secretary of State Raffensperger, the Republican, his Republican appointee, um, recommended the indictment of Stacey Abrams' vote registration organization. I kid you not. And they want to put the head of the organization, Ense Ufot, in, in prison. Uh, she was head of the Canadian Bar Association, so she's not your typical uh, criminal. And w- what was this about? They said that they took more than 10 days to submit some registration signatures. And this they're calling a felony go-to-jail crime. That's what they want to do, put Stacey Abrams' organization, uh, shut it down under criminal laws, and put the leadership of Abrams' organization in, in prison. So because they made it easy to prosecute people, it now becomes easier to prosecute um, to prosecute uh, um, Trump because the the crime that they were trying to ch- charge Stacey Abrams people with and many other voter registrations organizations, including the Asian American group Ten Thousand Koreans Vote, including a, um, a several other voting rights groups that they're trying to put out of business, but they so they made interference in the election process a felony crime which uh, counts as what's called a predicate act under RICO. So in their zeal to put Stacey Abrams and Democrats and people of color and voter registrars in jail, they've now set up a case where it's likely to be um, Donald Trump uh, behind bars. This is no joke. Donald Trump behind bars. It's, uh, I don't know, Greg. Um... We have seen this dude slip out of uh, handcuffs many times before. Everybody around him goes to jail. The key players in the crime go to jail. So you really feel uh, that there? Now we we see this unfolding serious, in Washington D.C. Yeah. Do you think it's a better shot in Atlanta than D.C.? Way way better, uh, and I'll tell you why. There's there's technical reasons and political reasons, and they kind of mix together. I told you about that case I brought against uh, that I was involved with uh, the case against Georgia Power and for um, overcharges and murder at their nuclear plant involving their nuclear plants. I kid you not. And the justice and a grand jury recommended this is a federal grand jury, not a Georgia grand jury, but a federal grand jury recommended that uh, they be indicted for crimes. But then um, the governor of Georgia happened to become president, named Jimmy Carter. And he appointed a, uh, uh, his, his crony, um, a guy named Griffin Bell, as attorney general. Who is, and then uh, the Georgia Power hired, Bell resigned as attorney general. Georgia Power hired him and had him go to the Justice Department and say, don't indict these guys. So his successor under Carter had to make a decision, and then under Reagan, whether to indict Georgia Power. So you understand the politics of this. Under federal law, the attorney general must personally approve a RICO indictment. So there's all this politics involved, and the Georgia Power gang got away with it. And that's how, you know, and there's tremendous pressure on Merrick Garland, the attorney general right now, political pressure. He had, would have to make the personal decision about whether to indict Trump, and that the, the political pressure is extraordinary. In Georgia, it's quite different. There is no such, you know, um, big kahuna who has to prove the indictment. Only the grand jury and obviously a judge. Now, understand, while Trump and cronies are claiming, oh, this is a political prosecution by the Democrats, 
the the pan the grand jury was impaneled by Republican appointed judges, Kemp's own judges, and Republican Party uh, judges. These this is these are not Democratic judges that impaneled the grand jury. Uh, the only thing that the judge and the, the judges have gone completely along with all the wide ranging subpoenas that uh, the District Attorney Fannie Willis has um, has issued, including on Lindsey Graham, the senator who is making calls to tell the, the state to overturn the election. Uh, you're going to see, Ro- I'm sure you're going to see Roger Stone and others who are involved. If you remember, uh, Ali Alexander stood in front of the governor's mansion and said, we're going to light this, well, I won't use his word, this place on fire. And that was encouraged after he had spoken to Trump. This could get into, you know, act, you know, that Trump was organizing the violence in Georgia, not just January 6th, but the uh, violence before January 6th in Georgia. It's so almost like a, it was like to, a yeah. it was like a dress rehearsal. It sort of feels all yeah. of the key players they were trying it out in Atlanta because there was the big battle coming up for the vote there, uh, and then they took it to the to D.C. Yes, exactly. Now, and and very important. And here's where it gets more dangerous for Trump and the Republican Party: the violence that was threatened. And so again, this was again the practice, as you said, for the January sixth attack on the Capitol. This was the uh, January attack on the governor's mansion, and they were also aiming for the legislature by uh, Alex Jones, Ali Alexander, Nick Fuentes, the kind of uh, Catholic fascist uh, leader, Proud Boys. Um, Roger Stone, that whole crew, were down in Georgia um, threatening violence, threatening to burn down the Capitol and the governor's mansion if they didn't do what they want. And, and they specifically said, unless you make Trump president. Um, that wasn't working, uh, not because Brian Kemp didn't want to help Trump. By the way, this is a great misunderstanding. Um, but Kemp had no legal authority, dead zero, none. He was kind of like Pence, but it was even clearer. He had no way in the world to tell the legislature to go, you know, choose Trump as president. Uh, I'm sure he would have if he had if he had the power to do so. Um, and now, by the way, under the new SB 202, the legislature does have more power to overturn the the votes of the public. That's this is no joke. But here, once again, we have a uh, an independent district attorney who's getting support from Republican-appointed judges to go wide, to bring in all these, uh, these co-conspirators um, uh, trying to overturn the election. And it looks, you know, we know that, that Trump uh, had spoken to Ali Alexander and Alex Jones and others, and Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of Trump. He knew, they knew all about this stuff and were encouraging it. And, of course, the threatening calls from Trump to the uh, Secretary of State's office. Now there were 29 calls. I only we only have had the tape released of one. I would sure like to know what those others were. And um, the uh, I so it, also I don't know how much additional information the uh, District Attorney has. But this looks uh, I you know about a month ago I would have said there's no chance Trump will be indicted, and I still think that you're not going to see that on the federal level. But uh, this is a very different thing. And I have to tell you, Fannie Willis is a tough cookie. In fact, I think she's a little too tough. She indicted teachers for helping kids pass high-stakes t- tests, you know, just school teachers. So she's a tough cookie. 
and uh, she's not a you know. Um, and the judge, a judge, did get on her case for one thing, um, because one of the people that she is that is facing indictment as a target of indictment is the guy who's running for lieutenant governor right now, and uh, Fannie Willis um, did a fundraiser for his opponent. For his, this is way before opponent. she knew that, that he was going to be right. a target. But a judge said, no, you can't go after this guy. If you want to go after that one guy because you were supporting his opponent, you're going to have to have a, a, an independent um, um, expert, maybe a special prosecutor. And that's happening, by the way. And, and that's one other aspect of this story that you have to understand. The electors, okay, when, again, we don't vote for president. We vote for electors for president. And we've talked about the 12th Amendment, how electors can run wild, or you can have a Congress choose one slate of electors, not another, which happened in 1871 when the Republican lost the electoral vote, the Republican lost the uh, popular vote, lost electoral and popular vote, but then Congress used its powers to basically uh, switch out electors and make the Republican president now the one thing that makes this so in other words that's legal under the constitution what made this an illegal conspiracy is that they didn't when they sent a slate of electors to the national archives which is oddly where you send your slate of electors when when trump sent a slate of electors he didn't send the ones that were on his slate when on the ballot when he ran for president, because a lot of those electors said to Trump, you lost, I can't vote for you either morally, in fact, I'm a bit concerned that it might be illegal. And then there were some electors didn't want to go to prison for Trump, or they didn't, they actually wanted to respect the vote of the people in Georgia. That's his Republican electors. So he picked guys out of you know, just his, he just picked people who knew people, you know, just, just basically Trumpite fanatics who were never on a ballot, never voted for by anyone. You couldn't say that there was a disputed count for those electors. So when they sent that list, that was an act of fraud on the federal government because they sent an official list. It's mail fraud because they used the mails. They sent a fake list to the archives, which is the federal government, to have Pence and then try to force Pence to read to say that those electors were chosen. They weren't even on the ballot. They were not on the ballot. So that is the core of the crime. It sounds a little complicated, but the core of the crime is sending phony, never-on-the-ballot electors to the United States Congress to overturn a federal election. And under Georgia racketeering law, I don't know, it looks like case closed. Slam dunk. Slam dunk, it's yeah. It's tough. All yeah. right. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Uh, my name is Dennis Bernstein. One more thing, Greg, before we take a break. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have been so far ahead of this story in so many different ways. But even if we all, our dream comes true and, and Donald Trump goes to jail because he deserves to, and he's made so many people suffer, even if all that happens or if it doesn't, the thing that you've been on top of, Greg, since 2000 is the fact that there is a moving target and it has to do with us losing a right to vote based on all kinds of things happening at the local and state level. You struck this hard with the film 
uh, the best democracy money can buy. And now everybody's looking at Trump and I'm thinking they should be. But this other thing going on with the vote, the yeah. vote steal, that's in full motion, right? Yes. Well, that's the reason I wasn't down in Georgia is that, you know, Trump is, you know, uh, I guess he might make a comeback. But at the moment, that's history. And, you know, we get so focused with Trump because Trump is such a brilliant narcissist. He knows how to make you focus on him, that he's like the lone, you know, either he's, he's your great hero or he's the great Satan. And what's being forgotten here, as you said, is why I was down in Georgia. It wasn't about Trump. It was about the fact that there is a mass wholesale purging and attack on the right of black people, Hispanics, Asian Americans, and young people to vote. I have never seen... Jim Crow in action like this since I was a kid before the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. This is Jim Crow on steroids, Jim Crow in cyberspace, and, and the guys who are being played in the national press as heroes, uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia and Brian Kemp, who's running for governor against Stacey Abrams, they are not heroes. They are the vote suppression hitmen of Georgia. That's why I'm doing a film called Vigilantes, the Georgia's Vote Suppression Hitmen, because that's the real danger. What they're doing in Georgia and what they're training other states to do, Florida, Wisconsin, Ohio, Texas, Arizona, that's the danger to our democracy. And, yes, uh, you know, following Trump is always fun. You know, he's, he's, just, you know, he's just watching a barrel of monkeys. But the real danger is not Agent Orange. The real danger is the guys in Georgia who are leading a national attack on the right to vote like we've never seen. And they are active uh, and not oh, messing boy. around. They're getting their job done. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're going to take a short break. <laughs> 